0: All right, if you guys can, um, I'm going to put this up on the screen, but I want it to be the way that we set the pace for tonight. It's Hebrews chapter 4, and it's verse 16. Um, Before we get into our topic, I just want you to hear the word of the Lord um, as it was kind of um, brought to me what to do for this particular sermon. Today is a standalone sermon, and it is going to be out of uh, the book of Acts. We'll be in Acts chapter 12, but I just want you to hear this first. It says, Let us... Approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let me just put this out there for you. Even if it's not you directly, are you a person or maybe you're in a family or maybe you're interceding for somebody. Are you in a time of need right now? I mean, am I the only one? Praise Jesus. There's like the Lord's working in our lives. I do not want to be the only guy up here. But if you look at what it says here, look how the verse says it on the screen. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. How can we have that confidence? That we may receive mercy because we've already received mercy. Who has received mercy at the time of salvation? Who has received mercy at the time of deliverance? Who, who has gone to the cross and said, God, forgive me, I am a sinner, I am broken, and I need a Savior. And he said, here I am, I'm the one. I'm the one that came for you. And look what it says here. So that we receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Salvation, God isn't done with us. Isn't like, good, you're a Christian, I hope everything works out for you. No, he's just begun that work. And uh, kind of like the idea that I want to put this in your head, I'm just going to tell you a quick story before we get into our, our passage for tonight. I remember after Jackie and I uh, just had gotten married, and we were like, you've heard this word, like living on love, right? $3.22 in the bank account, right? But I remember one time we were just excited, and we just got back from serving, um, from church, and I got this email and it popped up on my phone, and it was like, you owe this bill. And I was like, what in the world? How do I, I paid that off? What is going on? I don't understand. And as you're a newly young man, and you're trying to be like, you know, the high priest, and like lead, and provide, and all these things, I'm looking at her, and like, I thought I had all the answers. I'm sorry, you married the wrong guy. It's just, it's we've been married for like, what, seven days, and this has already happened, you know? But I remember looking at her, and I go, hey, you know what we need to do? Before we freak out, before we panic, let's just go for a walk, and let's just pray. Let's just go, like, there was a golf course near our house. Nobody's ever playing there, so we're going to get hit by a golf ball. Let's just walk around the lake and just pray, and we did it, and I won't say this as a formula, but I don't want you to say like, well, Joey guaranteed me this is going to happen. I want you to hear the heart of the Lord. By the time we got back to our apartment and we made it up to the steps, I heard my phone go ding, and I was like, oh, oh, is there more news, Jesus? Is this how this is going to happen? And I opened my phone, and it was a call from the bank. Um, I had turned my phone off, and I had just flicked it on, and there was a voicemail, and it said, hey, Joey, sorry, we um, made a major malfunction, and we're going to make it good. We're going to give you this much money back because we overdrafted you. But on top of that, we're going to give you like like a, a reprieve for some other stuff. It happened to be for the exact amount of the bill. And I remember turning to my wife, even though I'm not perfect. I don't think like I was just like this holy Jedi that was floating and like praying for our finances. I turned to her and I was like, babe, God is real. Did you know that? Like, even though we had gone praying for like 30 minutes, right, walking around this golf course, I turned her and I was like, we just need to go to the God of our needs. We just need to approach with confidence because if he would bring us salvation, why wouldn't he bring us help? If he would bring us salvation, why wouldn't he bring us healing? If he would bring us salvation, why wouldn't he restore a relationship? Like, that's like light work compared to the work of to get you out of the mouth and jaws of hell and into salvation to an eternal walk, to get you from a broken sinner into somebody who eternally wants to walk with the Lord. And so that is why we have to do one thing, and I'm going to put this up first. We must make prayer a priority. We must make prayer a priority, and tonight... We are going to do that. I'm going to show you in Scripture. This isn't a word for me. This isn't something I was like putting together. The Lord actually put this on my heart and actually challenged me because I did not um, think of my prayer life in this way in this church. But you'll see. Look at James 4.2 on the screen. It says, you do not have because you do not ask. Um, I... I I think that is one of the first principles that we need to understand as Christians is sometimes we can actually, in our own fear, in our own imagination, or maybe even in our own self-worth, we're not looking at our situation the way God's looking at our situation, right? And the Lord is laying this out as a principle to us. All you have to do is come to me and I will come to you. I will draw. Think about this. How far is the distance from heaven to you? That's it's a very challenging question. How far is the distance from heaven to you? It's as far as God wants to go. It's like I can jump and try to reach heaven. I can do it, I'm not gonna reach it. It's as far as God wanted to reach down and reach into my life and make a change. And if he did that at the point of the cross in Jesus, what, what else would he do? What else can, I mean, why would I let my imagination limit what God can do? I didn't even know that I needed a savior. I didn't even know that my sin equaled death and hell, right? But there he was, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. So the heart of the Lord is saying this, you need to look at your life and prayer needs to be an obvious part of your life. If you were standing trial for being a Christian, we're like, would one of the evidences be, well, he prays all the time. So obviously he's a Christian. Is that the same thing as your life? So the Lord is saying here is, you need to really make time and space for prayer because that is the place that we connect. And if you think about it more than anything, Preaching points us to God. Yeah, I'm up here and I'm preaching and that's what I get paid to do. But preaching just points us to God. It doesn't actually put you in front of God. Worship can bring you into the, into the atmosphere of the Lord, right? Like worship can be this thing where it's like you're changing your heart to bring it into submission of the Lord or to call out to the Lord and say, to Lord, this is who you are. I'm dead. That's why some of the songs repeat the same lines, right? Like, you are who you say you are, Lord. What a wonderful name, the name of Jesus Christ, right? We say it over and over. Why? Because we believe it, and we're actually trying to remind our souls. But nothing transports you to the throne of grace quite like prayer. And that's what the Lord is saying. He is actually putting out a direct invitation to us. Prayer puts you right in front of God. And you have to ask yourself, why did God do prayer? Because none of us invented it. None of the disciples invented it. None of the people of the Old Testament invented it. God invented it because you have to understand it this way. Nothing is going to put you into position of saying this, I am before the Lord and you are the only thing that I have as an option. Quite like prayer. Because you can hear a preaching and go do what you want to do. You can come here and worship and do like me. I'm like, I'm going to put myself, you can hit your chest. You can do one of these moves. You can do one of these moves. I don't know if somebody somebody can do some of these moves. If you're like a little bit more tight in the hips, you know, (laughs) like this. But you could leave here and nothing's changed. But a real conversation with the Lord is not unauthentic because you're going to go, this is who I am and this is who you are. You can't hide in those situations. It's just you before the throne of grace. And I want you to hear how important the Lord has listed that for us. The Lord has called his house, not a house of preaching. Sad for all the pastors to hear. It's not a house of worship. Sorry, Rachel. Look at Isaiah 56 on the screen. He said, These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. That's how important it is. The place that God wanted to connect with the people, not just the Jewish people, but all people is inside of prayer. Look at Mark 11, because we're going to say, oh, that was Old Testament, Mark 11. And he taught them, and he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The Lord was like, this is not a place for commerce. This isn't a place to peddle wares. This is a place for prayer. This is a place for, remember, the, the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee was praying one way, but what was the tax collector praying? God, forgive me, I am a broken sinner before you. I just need your mercy. You are it. And that's the place where he connects. So I want you to hear Psalms 50, the famous Psalms. This is a David. Call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. That call on me is prayer. You know what's happening in David's life? David is in a situation that he cannot overcome. And what is he appealing to? A real conversation from his heart to God's. I'm not clever enough. I'm not strong enough, God. I need you. Look at Job. Everybody knows this story, right? You think Job need the Lord? He prays to God and finds favor. He sees God's face and shouts for joy, and God restores his righteousness to that man. You know, Job Job called on God, and God rewarded him in his grace with his presence. Nothing transports you to the throne of grace quite like prayer. James 5.13 says it this way, Is any one of you suffering? Just let that sit there for a second. Is any one of you suffering? Well, this is what the Lord is saying to you directly tonight. You should pray. You should pray. It's a simple principle that we can kind of like make it like cloudy and murky with all of our thoughts and all of our fear and all of our anxiety. But simply the Lord is saying, don't you understand, whatever situation that you're running up against, I am the God of that situation. I mean, every time the disciples were in a bind, Jesus was like, what is wrong with you? I'm right here. I'm trying to take a nap. What do you wake up by faith? Command the storm to go up. Okay, I'll say it, peace be still. God was the solution in the middle of the problem. But who did they go to? Jesus. They went to a real conversation. Jesus, wake up, we're gonna drown. Or how about when the, the storm came and and they're rowing all night and they're exhausted and they're about to go under the waves? Jesus shows up, which by the way, I know I'm gonna be a little cheeky here. I think he's a little too excited. I mean, they're exhausted. Have you ever been exhausted and somebody else shows up and they're on fire? You know, you're like, all right, chill, buddy. He comes out and he's like, be of good cheer. And they're like, Jesus, do something. Stop encouraging us. Stop motivating us. And then Peter gets out of the boat. And the very thing that should destroy them is the very stage in which Peter now steps out, but he doesn't step out in his power. He steps out in whose power? In Christ's power, when his eyes are locked in Christ. And it's just the two of them. Peter got caught up in grace. He was caught up in the power of the Lord. He was caught up in the presence of the Lord, but he was caught up in the grace of the Lord because by all intents and purposes, should a human being be able to do that? No, but God. And that's what the Lord is saying. We must go with confidence before the throne of grace because we've never been worthy of the throne of grace. We've been made worthy, not by our efforts, but by Jesus' efforts. And so if we've received salvation, there should be nothing that we hide from the Lord. We should with great passion, and maybe even angst and groaning, come to the Lord and be like, Lord, I just don't know, but I know you do. So that's why we want to go to our next point. God has a plan to meet your needs, but it starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. It always starts with prayer. Even Jesus Christ himself prayed. Even Jesus Christ in the night that he was in the Garden of Gethsemane prayed. Prayed so hard that he sweat blood. But he knew that the will of the Lord and the grace of the Lord was on him. But he knew what he had to do. But it started with prayer. If you guys can, turn in your book, uh, your Bible to Acts chapter 12. And we're going to go through about 16 verses. And uh, we're going to have a very special time of honoring the house of the Lord by making it a house of prayer tonight. I think that this is a very phenomenal story for us to look at because of the way that it's laid out in the book of Acts. Acts is interesting because it's the beginning of the church, right? It's the beginning of God's church after Christ had ascended. So Christ died. He was buried. He was resurrected. And then he goes, hey, I'm going to leave. And then when I leave, I'm going to send you a helper. And that helper is going to launch a new ministry through you. And you guys are going to do things above and beyond what I have done in my ministry. That alone should shock you. But it was the the glory of the Lord, it was the Holy Spirit himself that would come and show them how to do ministry, how to do life, and how to do prayer. Acts chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 3. And it says this, And when he saw that this was met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. So that's uh, the local uh, uh, guard, or sorry, Governor Herod grabs uh, Peter and he throws him in prison. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread, and after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. And so Peter was kept in prison. I want you to understand how deep this next phrase is. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. I'm going to read that to you one more time. But the church was earnestly, earnestly praying to God for him. I want you to hear that word earnestly. That's unpacked in Greek. It was more like a never-ending river of prayer. They didn't stop. They didn't cease. And I want to let you know how important this is for them. At this time, it would be like this particular case. Like the world is crazy. Jesus Christ has resurrected and he has flown to heaven. They watched him fly to heaven, right? And then they went to, uh, to the city and then they got blessed by the Holy Spirit and tongues of fire. Everything's happening. The ministry is growing. But now the guy that's leading them, Peter, has been grabbed and thrown into prison, and he's not Jesus. He's not Jesus. And the people are uh, acutely aware of this. They're keenly understanding, like, yeah, he has the spirit of the Lord in him, but he's not Jesus. So I don't know if he's going to get out of this situation. Rightfully so, we should all be afraid if Pastor Craig was up here preaching one day, and the mayor grabbed him, or DeSantis grabbed him, and like threw him in prison. We'd be like, what is going on? The first move we should do is prayer. Prayer because we don't know how to handle this situation. We don't even know why God allowed this situation. And so I want you to understand that what is being listed here, and you might not pick it up in the text, is worship stopped. Preaching stopped. Prayer was full force. That's where the people were at. They were fervently praying. And this is the kind of thing that we need to look at. The Lord will put you in a situation where you have no other options but praying. Because praying does one thing. It puts you on your knees in front of the throne of grace. And now the Lord has your full attention and now real ministry is going to take place to your spirit where if you could do something in your own power, if you could do something in your own cleverness, you might not include him. You might not ask him. You might not even go, hey, Lord, is this cool? No, you might not even uh, let him participate in that way. And the Lord is saying, I want the ability to get your full attention so you could see that it is me that is going to provide the answer." Because you're not looking in the right place. And this way, this is going to grow your prayer life in this one area, a prayer of faith. Hebrews eleven six says this, without faith, it is impossible to please him. And so these people were praying with faith in who Jesus Christ was. And you know what they're saying in their prayer in this moment? Peter's gone. Peter's in a prison. I don't know if we, can, we can't get him out. We can't bust him out. That's not going to happen. This is what their prayer is. You know, Jesus, you know, you're not our backup plan. Jesus, you are the plan. God, you are the plan. I don't have a solution. There is no formula. God, you are this. And the Lord is trying to get you to say this back to him. Yes, I hear you, Lord. Prayer is what I need to do. I'm recalibrating my life so that you are at the center. Because if Christ is not at the center of your life, then he's not in control of your life. And if he's not in control of your life, something else is directing you. Something else is leading you. Something else is guiding you. And that thing could be very much something that is like real, like a sickness scare or a health scare or a finance scare. Or maybe you're just not capable of accomplishing the things that God's asked you to do. And you go, guess what? I really need God. What you're really needing to say is, I need to surrender my life to God. Let him come back to be the center so that all things are gravity around him. Think about the sun. I always use this image. The sun is at the center of our solar system and it holds everything in orbit. Nothing else could hold everything in orbit in our solar system except for the sun. Nothing can hold everything in your life in place except for the God of heaven, the creator of heaven and earth, the one that's holding the universe together. The only one who could hold your life together is the one that resurrected it. The only one that could guide your life is the one that was powerful enough to send it to heaven forever. We don't even know how to do that. And the Lord is saying, I want to fulfill your needs. I want to but you have to present the need to me. You have to allow me to be God and you be you. You be the servant that brings it to me and allow me to guide you through that. Now, look how God fulfills the need for the rest of the the verses here. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. Which is interesting, nobody else woke up right? I love when I turn on a light, how mad Jackie gets. Turn that light off or shut the bathroom door. You know, like you you ever ever be with somebody like that? You know, like, uh, like ah, like a vampire. Nobody gets up. This has to be a miraculous moment. Look at this. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. This is amazing to me, an angel hitting you. Quick, get up, he said. But look at this next part. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. First things first, get dressed, the angel said. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision, right? They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. Let's just let that sink in. Every door that I've ever tried to open up at night needs all the WD-40 in the world. But this one opens up by itself, and nobody wakes up, right? And they went through it, and when they walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Thanks. That's interesting. Verse 11. Then the Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent an angel and has rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. Verse 12. And when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. And Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and the servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. That's amazing. Yo, lady, I can't be in the street for this long, but she's so excited, she she's, ran back to the prayer group. Hey, by the way, God's answered our prayer. The, the answered prayer is still out there. Let him come in, right? And look at this, you are out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. Verse 16, but Peter kept on knocking, as you would. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But should they have been? I don't know. The Lord, you prayed to the Lord and he answered. Verse 17, Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet, obviously, and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison Tell James and the other other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. And in the morning there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed." I find this passage so fascinating because it's pretty, even though it's miraculous, it's pretty straightforward, right? This is the church. It's new. We're only in Acts chapter 12. The church has only been around for 12 chapters. That's it. And we're in this miraculous moment, but this is how it was. It's basically a blueprint for the church. And this is the blueprint for the church. There's gonna be crisis, there's gonna be problems, there's gonna be challenges, there's gonna be difficulties. But you know what the church is supposed to do? Pray. And then the Lord is gonna go, oh, I absolutely want to supply your needs. Oh, a guy is stuck in prison. I'll send an angel. They prayed and heaven answered. Immediately they prayed and the verse says, and suddenly an angel showed up. And everything that they needed for that situation happened. Like we may have never guessed. We're like, okay, Lord, send in SEAL Team 6, throw a couple flashbangs, shoot these guards. And, you know, no, 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 no. An angel showed up. Nobody woke up. A light was in there. A bright light was in there. And then he touched his wrists and the chains fell off. Nobody wakes up. He goes to the gate, and the gate opens by itself. I mean, are you seeing it in your mind's eye? And Peter's like, I must be dreaming. No, you're not dreaming. The church is praying. The church is praying. Sometimes we have to take our imagination. We have to take our fear. We need to take our anxiety and just shove it out of God's way and stop limiting what God can do and go, God, I don't know how you're going to move this mountain, but I know you're going to move this mountain. I don't need to know how. You're God. You, you handle that. I'll sit here, get my popcorn, and watch. That's what I'm gonna do. And so, what we need to do is realize this prayer is an invitation for you to meet with the God of your deliverance. Prayer is an invitation for you to meet with the God and watch how He lays out in front of you His plan, not your plan, but the plan that He's come up with. Because you don't know, wanna know something? He doesn't need your help. Never did. Never ask for your help. All he asks you to do is pray. That's it. That's your participation. And so the Lord was saying this. Look, Peter's in prison. The church prayed. God delivered by God's power. Nobody else's power. Now the Lord was moved by prayer. The God answered prayer. He delivered through prayer. But did he need the people's help? No, what he wanted them to do is to make God the center of everything. You know what was not the center of the problem that night? Not Herod. Not the Roman guards. Not the prison, not the chains. None of that was the problem. The biggest thing that was in the middle of the room was God. God, what are you going to do? And that's where the church needs to be, no matter what we're running up against. Yeah, it stinks what I'm going through. Yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, I'm crushed on all sides. But you know what? God, what are you going to do? God, what are you going to say? Where are you going to move? Where are you going to take us? What is going to happen on the other side of this that my faith is going to be so grown that nothing can stop me from giving you glory? Nothing can stop me from giving you the testimony of praise that is erupting from my heart because you are so good. And I was in a way that I could not possibly imagine. And how dare I let my imagination get in the way with you? Look at Matthew seven seven. I love how it says it this way: Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Now, what none of that is in the scripture is saying you will win the lottery entirely, you know what that scripture says? God is saying this, keep knocking. Don't stop. In fact, throughout the Old Testament, he's saying, exhaust me with prayer. See if you can do it. Bring your prayers to me constantly. Keep seeking, keep praying. Don't sleep. And I don't mean sleep in the way that like, don't fall Say, have you ever gotten up But like, I'm gonna get up at five o'clock every day and pray. And at 5.30, you find yourself with like drool and you're on the floor <laughs> and you're like, I missed the whole prayer time. It's not that kind of sleep. If that ever happened to you, it happened to me many times. You get that rug imprint on your face, you know? No, that's not what he's talking about. Spiritually, don't go to sleep. Spiritually stay awake. Spiritually connect to the Lord. And he's saying this, you know what? None of the revivals in the world ever came without prayer. None of the revivals have ever come to Europe or America or anywhere else without prayer. No, nothing, no person in this room can go, hey, guys, we're going to start a revival. When? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Just show up. I got crackers and cheese. This is going to be awesome. No, it's not going to work that way. The way that revival is born is out of the presence of God. And nothing brings us into the presence of God quite like prayer. But we have to have God-centered prayer. I just want to remind you of this one more time. The church prayed, and the verse says this. An angel showed up, and he struck the side of Peter, said, get up. And, and he touched his wrists, and the chains fell off. Um, I'm going to invite the band up right now. Um, to do kind of a moment of preparation. But as they're coming up, I just want to put this in your mind, in your heart. Revival comes from deliverance, but deliverance is fully relying on God. Totally relying on God. You know, when we have our needs and we pray for change, we're not always saying like, God, I have a boo-boo, heal that boo-boo right? And then once God heals that boo-boo, I'm still the same, right? I still have a bigger problem. I'm still me. I haven't been fully delivered into full reliance of God. I need a God-level deliverance. The people that night, what do you think they thought after they prayed and Peter showed up? They were like, God is real. But uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. I thank you. I know that I've been put in this position to become this prayer partner with you, Lord, and so I'm praying that prayer that you've asked me to pray. But Lord, I am calling on you to be the person that you said, come and seek. Here I am coming and seeking. Now show, Lord, now speak, now guide. Now give out your vision, now give out your guidance. Provide for us direction. Show us what we need to do. Give healings, give strength. Give us the the clear and concise steps of what to do next. I don't want to go into any part of the things that you've asked me to do without you, so I'm asking you to fill me up to go do your work. We want to be able to lay hands and see people healed. We want to say the words and see people restored and saved. We want to see deliverance. We want to see real change, but the kind of change that is everlasting, the kind of deliverance that lasts forever. We don't want just a healing for healing's sake. We want it for eternity. We want the praise of the Lord to go up from this place. And when the world looks in and go, what is going on? It's a people full of the power and presence of the spirit of the Lord. And that is who we are. So we open up our minds and our hearts. We are the house of prayer. It's not these four walls and a roof. It's our heart. It's the throne of grace inside of our soul. We belong to you. We are sealed in the Holy Spirit. The enemy has no place here. Division has no place here. Chains need to fall whatever slavery that somebody might need to be, and that needs to be broken, but it can only be broken by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we give ourselves over to you tonight. And all of God's people said in Jesus' name, amen, amen.